Welcome back to PCI Pals podcast channel, Secure Payments. We recently held our annual virtual event, Payments, the Future of Security and CX. Speakers from our global ecosystem came together to discuss the trends in the market, showcase innovative solutions, and provide insights into the future of payment security and compliance. In this episode, we're joined by some of the event speakers as we dive further into the pressing topics for the payment and CX industries in 2022. Today, I'm joined by Jennifer Rossi, Senior Sales Executive at WorldPay from FIS, Mayor Patamber, Senior Director of International Product Marketing at 8x8, Colin Crowley, CX Advisor at Freshworks, Jayesh Patel, member of PCI PAL's advisory committee, and Paul Rogers, chairman at Vendorcom. How can organizations strike a balance between customer experience, security, and compliance while adapting to the rapid changes that we see within our world today? Yeah, that's that's a great question. And uh, that's very topical, I think, in customer experience, generally speaking where you have this dichotomy between efficiency and quality, where there are rising demands of customers uh, across the board and across industries in each area. And in the past, uh, in like a traditional call center, those things were at loggerheads and traditional call centers tended to prize efficiency because it's easier to monetize at the expense of quality. Um, but now with the rise of technology, especially bot technology and AI-based technology and, and the interconnectivity of systems, uh, you no longer have to sacrifice one for the other. And that's very topical to, to this area uh, when it comes to the customer experience and how you can guarantee for customers efficient service, but at the same time, make sure you're following all proper protocols. Uh, and it really, yeah, it really comes down to the use of technology. Uh, technology steps in and by removing manual processes and enabling security verification, as an example, to take place uh, using machines, uh, then that enables you to have a very, very a quick engagement with customers where you're checking off all the boxes to make sure your security and your compliance requirements are being met um, and also frees the agent up and the, the possible human errors of a human being uh, so that human being can focus instead on providing quality service. Uh, you also see this manifested in the rise of certain channels that are inherently more friendly when it comes to timely security verification, such as live chat, um, either on a website or in an app, which increasingly you see live chat in an app, um, and various messaging channels like SMS and things like Apple Business Chat and so forth, uh, which combine the immediacy factor, but also are the ones that are most powered by technology like AI and chatbots uh, that can uh, streamline and speed up uh, those uh, verification requirements. That's a great question, and I think we've seen a lot of changes rapidly, particularly over the last few years. Um, we primarily have been focused working on customers that have traditionally done the traditional business-to-business -business payment model, so think a lot of check payments. But as the world is moving more towards self-service, e-commerce models, a lot of self-service type activities... Um, and there are a lot of benefits to that. Um, we think one of the, the best ways to, to enhance the customer experience while keeping it secure is to look at offering different things like alternative payment methods, electronic check, 
obviously reducing some of the paper check processes. And there's benefits to both sides, the customer and and the actual business as well. But when when customers come on to order, they want a fast, seamless experience, almost like a one-click payment. And that's where we're seeing the business-to-business customers adopting more what we've done traditionally in consumer payments. Um, they want to use things like PayPal, Apple Pay, Google Pay, um, or just set up you know automatic payments with their uh, bank and routing number, electronic checks. So all of these electronic payment uh, forms are becoming more popular in the business to business world. They can all be secured in various ways. And again, we'll, uh, with with PCI Pal, for example, you know we talk about sending out secure link type uh, invoice pay- for invoice payments that gives the customer the ability to to pay that on their own without having to speak to an agent. Um, so there are various ways. The, they're all completely secured and and within the mandates and compliance that they follow. So it strikes the right balance. The customer has an easy way to pay and the companies themselves are eliminating manual work, reducing um, call times and costs, and they're they're staying within the mandates like PCI compliance and other mandates for, for payments. Yeah, it's a great question. I do actually think they all go together. I think customer experience, uh, some of the customers will require things like compliance and privacy uh, that's a bigger a bigger issue with end customers. So it's really important that we include solutions that uh, not only support whatever the customer and customer experiences, but more and more security and privacy is a, a really important part of that experience. Uh, people want to do brands, uh, work with brands that they trust. And once you lose that trust, it's very uh, difficult to, 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 to regain. And so uh, all of those aspects, I think, are actually... Um, while they may sound challenging uh, in this environment that we have, there are many solutions out there like PCI PAL and other uh, uh, providers that make it really easy for you to kind of build these uh, great customer experiences, but still adhering to, to privacy and security requirements that you may have. Is today's hybrid workforce a more challenging problem than when everyone was working remotely? I think it's it's interesting. We we know that when the workforce shifted remotely, um, there were some challenges when um, processes were paper based or there were systems that were disjointed. Um, clearly, it was easier to work in a remote workforce or be able to do that hybrid between an office and remote if you are working with paperless. Um, paperless processes. So in the world of payments, that means eliminating paper checks and having to scan them and work through um, processes to to try to apply them. Um, when you're doing more electronic payment formats, I mean, these are things that are coming into the system faster than checks you're able to work. Um, it doesn't matter the location that you're working, so it solves some of that. You're not working with paper, which you don't want in a remote environment. Um, so still, if you have call center agents that are working from home, um, again, doing that electronic payment um, is great. And you also have ways to secure that so that call center agents, even if they're working remotely, that might be viewed as less secure if they're exchanging information over the phone. Again, with our partnership with PCI Pal, we offer ways that you don't have to exchange that information. So if a call center agent's working remotely or within their office environment, it's still exactly the same from a security level. So um, I, I think and anything you can do to um, eliminate the the usage of paper, go to electronic, push self-service, um, that, that actually helps uh, the workforce uh, challenges of balancing between in the office and working remotely. 
Yeah, I see it two ways. I think uh, certainly there's there's a, an aspect for companies to continue to build their culture, which becomes challenging when you're when you have a hybrid remote workplace. So, and that's why I think it's really important for companies to bring teams together physically when when they can, or have various events uh, to kind of help promote the culture of the company. Uh, but I also view it as a as a potential advantage. Um, you know, in a in a hybrid environment, you can hire the best people uh, around the world. They don't. Need, they no longer need to be located in the location you have. Um, you know, there are other practices that that I used when I was uh, managing a hybrid workforce, which was really just doing regular check-ins with my entire organization. I would have one-on-ones through uh, with everybody in my team, uh, regardless of what level they are, uh, periodically, just to kind of connect with the the individuals. And and what I was really surprised was I was thinking that these these kind of um, you know formulated meetings would not uh, allow spontaneous types of discussions, you know, the, the typical comment about a water cooler discussion, but in fact that they were. And if you if you really make an effort to it, you can really uh, get to the root of issues that the, your employees and maybe your customers are seeing. So it's important to kind of create the the constant communication uh, is one of the areas. But, but I view it as potential advantage because you can now hire talent no matter where they are. And in fact, some cases you can hire talent to where your customers are, and that's really important. Uh, to make sure your 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 individuals and you get a a much better global perspective as you're becoming a global company, uh, you you have a tendency if all your talent is in one location, not to understand the cultural and uh, regional specific requirements that you might have, and, and this allows you to do that. You can have teams require you know uh, around the world and, and really bring that kind of perspectives in. Yeah. So. I think one thing that's clear about hybrid working is that, you know, it's fast becoming the norm for, you know, many organizations in in the industries ranging from, you know, high tech to pharmaceuticals to, you know, academia. So, you know, there are good reasons why uh, many companies and many employees are really excited about the mix of uh, in-person and remote working. And I think there's also equally good reasons why many feel that trepidation about that shift, right? Um, and it's obvious that uh, the reliance on technology creates um, basic communication challenges. You know, many of us have had to overcome te- uh, technical difficulties when we transitioned to fully remote working way back in March to, uh, 2020. But uh, the transition to hybrid work can be rocky too, right? So one, one customer, he recently shared with us that um, when, when their employees started to return to the office, they realized that their video conferencing tools that, uh, you know, that they were previously using in the office, they weren't really uh, you know, fully up to the needs of uh, those, those hybrid working uh, uh, employees. Um, and, you know, some of them couldn't even remember how to operate them. And, you know, there, there are other practical difficulties that hybrid work presents as well. So, you know, for example, um, you know, does everyone have hot desks or, you know, should they book these hot desks in advance? Or what happens if you have different teams that have planned on-site workshops on the same day or at the same time? Um, you know, so hybrid working arrangements can be daunting for, for those uh, who are about to adopt them, um, and it, it can be challenging for for those um, who already have adopted them. So the good news is is that um, the feedback that we get from our customers is that you know they are quickly learning where the biggest obstacles lie, 
and you know they are working to minimize those in in, in advance and and really to manage them as as they come up. So so that's the takeaway from that. I think today's challenging situation uh, is new for some organizations. It's obviously been a way of working probably for 20 plus years for for others. Uh, But in the the merchant uh, scene uh, where you've got contact center support staff who would normally be in uh, a central location, being distributed out around the world and around the country, um, then it is creating a, a lot more of a challenge. But again, they're, they're mainly only for organizations who haven't kept pace with technology and are still using very structured in-house um, structures, uh, software and hardware uh, setup. If you've gone for more distributed systems, better comms and infrastructure, then f- those organizations have actually been able to embrace the change. And in fact, they're seeing some of the advantages of that, that change uh, where employees are perhaps uh, more prepared to work more flexible schedules because they're not spending time traveling into a central location. Uh, they're not uh, having to only do things in um, difficult working hours. Um, maybe they're even able to accommodate those more difficult working hours uh, more readily if they're if they're able to work from home. So I think again, it's it's all about the technology, the infrastructure, the processes that you're able to deploy within your organization. Do consumers have a lower tolerance today for a poor customer experience? Uh, yes, yes. I mean, I think for a long time, the whole customer experience or customer expectations is very much a one-way street. Um, and I think that's for a bunch of different reasons. So technology certainly has made that inevitable as uh, technology becomes more and more advanced and it just uh, sets consumer expectations at higher and higher levels in terms of what a business is supposed to deliver. Um, and the fact that you have more and more uh, like startups are very, very creative and inventive entering a lot of different marketplaces um, who are very customer focused, typically at the start um, and try to use it as a differentiator uh, and try to find a niche area where they can provide some exceptional level of, of service that a larger company can't. So there's this constant flow of, of uh, innovation and new opportunities and customers are expecting that and they're expecting change always in a positive direction that simplifies the customer experience and at the same time makes it much more intuitive and much more personalized and much more high quality. So yeah, that, that's definitely a challenge for, for many, many companies. I think that pandemic has um, also doubled down on that to the extent that it forced a lot of companies to go digital when they were planning to go digital maybe a few more years down the line. So it has forced a lot of companies into the digital space um, and having to deal with digital challenges. Um, so that's added some additional hardship from companies who are perhaps not as prepared to enter that space and now have to grapple with new ideas of you know, using technology like artificial intelligence and chatbots and things of that nature. So infrastructurally, that's, uh, that's, that's definitely a challenge. Um, I say the bottom line, it comes down to technology again as ultimately the way that you can ex- uh, exceed customer expectations, even though they're rising. And as long as you're ahead of the technology curve or you, you have in your organization 
some inbuilt ability to innovate and be creative. So even having like a, a team within your organization that's constantly innovating and understanding new technology, as long as you're ahead of the technology curve, or even riding the curve, uh, then that's what will allow you to stay ahead of customer expectations as they continue to morph and they continue to become more demanding. I think absolutely yes. And I, I think some of this is stemming from that our our, you know, business to business users are used to their consumers as well. And so they find that easier, uh, easier payment trends, quicker, more control, faster, don't have to get up to, to do anything type payment experience, that one click payment experience. Um, they want things to be done fast, whether it's that initial order, the payment being taken, or possibly even a refund. They want that to come back fast. So um, I think there is a lower tolerance. And again, um, driving those trends for electronic payments, um, they're faster to process, um, faster to, to refund, they're flexible, um, and they're secure. Again, customers don't want their data as part of a data breach as well. So they want to make sure that, that their data is being secure, um, secured as well. Yeah, I mean, we knew that uh, even before pandemic, customer experience was becoming more and more important. Um, you know, I'd say five years ago, people were, were competing, differentiating on customer experience, but now it's table stakes. So, and, you know, companies and brands and, and, and customers are expecting to get these seamless customer experiences where, you know, their time is valuable now. And especially in, in you know, post-COVID, things are, are becoming more and more easier for customers to self-serve or have those experiences where, you know, they don't have to sit on a, a long phone call to, to under, you know, get an issue resolved. They can they not get resolved themselves or, or have automated tools to help them support that. So I do believe that... Um, there is a, a lower threshold because it's, there's an expectation uh, with all these different experiences that people have had to develop uh, that I think customers are liking all these touchless types of interactions, um, you know, these curbside pickups for retailers or, um, you know, being able to purchase things more and more online. There, these, these experiences, because they, they provide ease of use to the end users. Uh, so there is definitely a, a higher expectation from end users and, and you no longer can compete only on customer experience, you, you really, that, that's just a requirement now. Everybody needs to have a really, um, you know, well thought out customer experience, which includes kind of digital communication or supporting channels of communications that the end users want, uh, in addition to self-serve and other seamless types of uh, use cases. Uh, essentially, customers just want their issues resolved in a timely manner, and they really don't want to be sitting on calls or, or working through, um, you know, to, on various topics. So, yeah, I do think that uh, the expectations increased. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think there's so much of research from so many different organizations uh, that, you know, to back that, that state now. Um, I, I remember seeing some research from the, the CMO Council, in fact, um, and, you know, that they, they found that nearly half of all North American and European customers will, will abandon the band, really, if a brand, if, um, and then really take their money elsewhere if they repeatedly encounter poor or impersonal or frustrating customer experiences across any channel of engagement. And then I, I remember seeing a story on the BBC as well where, you know, customers were really fed up with being told that they were getting a poor service because of COVID, right? They, they, were, they were using COVID as, as an excuse. And uh, again, this was research based from the 
um, the UK Institute of Customer Service, had, you know, who, who reported that the number of complaints about poor service over the, over the last six months was at its highest level since 2009. Uh, you know, and that's uh, based on a survey of 10,000 people. So, you know, really, really incredible. So firms were really, you know, accused of uh, using the pandemic as an excuse for long waits on the telephone or late deliveries. And I think today, you know, those types of blanket excuses are just no longer sufficient. If you think about uh, the rapid advances of, uh, you know, the digital adoption of communication tools and, you know, the modern consumer, right, they, they expect uh, immediacy in all areas of their lives, um, which, of course, creates a conundrum for, for brands that aren't really in a position to cater for those needs. Um, and not only are they demanding, right, but the customer journey is, it's, it's not linear anymore. In fact, you know, most um, purchases are, are very non-linear, right, you know, because a, a potential customer may see an ad while waiting for a, a train at the train station. Uh, and, you know, they may then start researching their product on the phone while they're while they're sitting on the train. Uh, you know, the, the, they may then ask other people for their thoughts about a particular product. They'll check out online reviews and then perhaps visit the store to, to have a look and feel of the, of the product and only then decide to make a purchase. Um, you know, so, so you know, that, that whole uh, journey has changed. So I think businesses can use cloud communication tools to really integrate voice and video and chat and contact center on a single cloud platform and bring together employee experiences, customer experiences, and that can help to drive up customer satisfaction scores. I think it really is true to say that customers and, and consumers uh, have a much lower tolerance today to poor customer experience. Um, Mainly because they they're used to getting really good customer experience in many many areas now, um, and even if they don't have uh, a low tolerance threshold, um, just their ability to flag up when they've had a poor experience just makes that all the more obvious. And that becomes a self-fulfilling thing that um, once someone has a poor experience and reports on it, others will, will jump in and say, yeah, my experience wasn't so good either. And so we're, we're building that apparent uh, position of, of low uh, customer uh, tolerance. Uh, but equally, if you get it right, uh, then you can use those, whether it's rating services or whatever, to turn it around and uh, what has been uh, apparent as a low customer tolerance uh, can actually be turned around into uh, really strong advocacy and influencing going on by those customers that you can manage to give a really good customer experience to. When looking at the future of payments, what would you say are some of the main shifts or innovations we're likely to see in the coming years? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I'll speak because uh, my focus is um, on the CX space specifically. So kind of looking at that from a CX perspective and some of the interesting challenges. So one thing which I think is really paramount is streamlining payments, uh, which you see across the board, uh, which is revolutionizing a lot of CX organizations, actually. So a perfect example of this would be payment systems like uh, Apple Business uh, Chat or I should say uh, messaging systems like Apple Business Chat, which are linked to things like Apple Pay. 
because uh, it used to be CX organizations were primarily reactive in nature and they were addressing challenges customers may have. And because of a lot of security restrictions like PCI requirements and so forth, uh, you would have your, your customer support people, uh, even in, in a sales capacity, they may be able to take the customer up to a certain point where they assist them in finding a product or service they want, um, but they're not actually able to necessarily place the order for them unless they're in a PCI compliant environment. Um, so the, the, the sales gambit was, was a bit more of a persuasion game as opposed to owning that experience for the customer. But when you have things like Apple Business Chat uh, and Google Business Messenger is an example of, of this as well, where you actually have the ability to link payment systems directly into the messaging interface, now you have uh, companies that don't have to worry about PCI compliance. Um, and if you're using Apple Business Chat, you can have a full conversation with the customer and you can lead them right up to what they want to purchase. And you can have inbuilt into your messaging infrastructure the ability for them to make that purchase right there with Apple Pay. And it in no way exposes customer information. Uh, and it changes the nature of these CX organizations uh, where you're now able to own more of the customer experience and you're able to uh, guide the customer through an entire purchase process. And that in turn means these CX organizations are more and more becoming revenue uh, generators um, as opposed to cost centers. Uh, and again, that's really changing the nature of uh, CX organizations. So that's one thing from a pure CX perspective. I think that's really interesting as you're seeing a lot more digitalization of pay intermeshed with these uh, messaging channels and uh, with, with live chat. Um, I think another thing, obviously, is when you look at things like cryptocurrencies and uh, where the, the payment space is heading generally, that's another thing that CX organizations haven't really adapted to as much, but it's definitely going to be something where they're going to have to incorporate that as well um, in their policies and in their practices to be able to handle these, these new ways of doing business and adapting to new payment technologies. Uh, those are the, like, the two major things I would highlight. I would say a couple things. Um, you know, again, that that shift to alternative payment methods, wallets that have long been or becoming popular in the consumer-based payments. So, you know, PayPal, uh, Apple Pay, Google Pay, and again, wherever you're working internationally, um, different geographies are driving different uh, alternative payment methods. So it's important to be working with payment service providers that can provide you with what is in demand for that specific geographic region. They are different. Um, PCI compliance is ever-changing. Um, those mandates can change. So again, companies are always adapting and spending money on how am I making sure that I'm keeping my data safe and following the mandates. So um, again, new innovations. I fully expect with our partnership with PCI Pal, we're going to continue to innovate on ways customers can pay um, and secure um, for PCI compliance. Um, one of the things we're seeing a lot of is surcharging and convenience fees. Obviously, there, there's a cost to accepting electronic payments. Um, our customers are looking at ways to how to recover some of those costs. So it is not going to be uncommon um, in the future to see more of a, a surcharge or convenience fee for using an alternative payment. What we found so far, it has not been a deterrent for not using those alternative payment methods, and it is a way to um, help reduce the cost of sale for accepting some of those payment methods. Um, so I think there's going to be some information there um, or some innovation there and more customers adopting that. 
The other thing with payments and some of the shifts, and, and we tend to follow, this is a little bit North American based, but we watch closely some of the fraud patterns that happen in more, we, we tend to look at the EMEA region as more advanced from electronic payment perspective. Um, but we also know that some of the fraud um, fraud schemes and things like that, that are also more advanced in that region, they ultimately spread throughout the world. And so we watch for trends there. I do believe that there will be more um, ability to offer some innovative fraud prevention technologies um, in the future around payments um, as we watch these fraud schemes. I mean, again, they're, they're important to watch and stay on top of, especially as more business is shifting to e-commerce models and self-service models. So I, I also think that that fraud is something to watch for in, in the future of payments. And I think there'll be a lot of great, um, great fraud prevention tools that we'll be able to offer customers. Yeah, I think this is a space that's also, you know, rapidly um, advancing. And, you know, when I, when I think of, payment services, I think of, you know, services like Square, PayPal, and Alipay, you know, they've, they've really permanently changed the game, right? Um, but it's, you know, these platforms, you know, they, they all have something in common with each other. And, and also with, with the payments industry, with, with banks, uh, you know, they, they all operate this closed network. Even if you look at like Visa and MasterCard, in a sense, they're closed because Visa doesn't accept uh, MasterCard and, and vice versa. And I think that's likely to change, um, you know, pretty in, in the coming years as these payment networks start to open up and start to start to interact. Um, and this is really being driven in part by regulators that prefer open standardized platforms uh, that lower the barrier to entry, much in the same way like the European Commission, you know, they, they considered forcing uh, manufacturers like Apple to abandon custom uh, device charging connectors in favor of universal connectors. And I think similarly, you know, payment innovators too are throwing their, their weight behind open standardized platforms. And this will allow them to really level the playing field on which to develop, uh, you know, anyhow solutions, you know, so make payments anyway, anyhow, with, with any means without having to really worry about the, you know the, the all the different network relationships in the background so i think open regional systems will drive that innovation and enforce better connect um, uh, coordination you know between the investment and the innovation that's going to empower consumers what changes would you advise organizations to make over the next two years um, I would say that uh, I'll actually speak infrastructurally from one of them, and I kind of made reference to it in my prior answer. Um, the first thing is I is I feel that organizations across the board, whether they're CX focused or or even outside just the pure CX space, um, really need to institutionalize innovation, um, and and that's something that a lot of organizations haven't quite done, or they've done it in a very haphazard way or a very decentralized way. But because technology is so rapid and so fast adapting, and yet because it is so integral to empowering your organization across the board to understand your customers better and to engage with your customers in a smarter way um, and to power a better customer experience, uh, again, if you don't have that innovation focus, then uh, it's very easy to fall behind the curve. 
And that really means you need to institutionalize innovation in some way. So whether that is a team of people that maybe a cross-functional team across your organization who own technology innovation um, and who own the responsibility to understand incoming technologies and how they could add value to the business and are adept at being able to uh, understand the value of those technologies from a, from a perspective where they can monetize them and also where they have the ability to assist uh, departments and teams within your company to realize that innovation in a strategic way. Because a lot of companies don't have institutionalized structures where they can adapt to technology innovation. So institutionalizing that, I think, is really important. And you'll see a lot more companies doing that going forward. I would say another thing that's really big institutionally is you see a lot more emphasis on having a holistic vertical for customer experience as opposed to having customer experience chopped between different verticals like marketing or operations and customer support and whatever the case may be. But more and more you see companies adopting a model where you have like a, a chief experience officer or a chief customer officer, something of that sort. And more and more, you're aligning different teams and departments under this customer experience vertical, understanding that if you want to adapt and provide a better customer experience, you need to have a wide ranging view of what that customer experience is from the very beginning of your customer's interaction with you, which even could just be when they hear about you, and even less so when they first interact with you, all the way to when they reach a certain point of, of loyalty and the relationship becomes continuous. Uh, and a lot of organizations still haven't adapted to that. And that makes innovation harder um, and it, it results in a disjointed customer experience um, and it results in bad investments and money wasted. Um, so it's really important that organizations find a way to institutionalize that. And I think you'll see like the chief experience officer or at least that, that customer experience vertical uh, really uh, rising to, to the forefront of things. Um, the last thing I'll kind of throw in there is I think that you're going to see a lot more engagement when it comes to messaging channels across the board. I think this is kind of very interesting as well, like in the financial space and the payment space. Um, but uh, a lot more people are gravitating towards different messaging channels. And there's so many different types of messaging channels from SMS to WhatsApp to Line to Facebook Messenger that that really kind of bridge the gap across many different systems. Um, but more and more customers are gravitating towards those channels. So making sure you're investing in those channels, technologically speaking, and uh, you're investing in those channels in terms of your human infrastructure. So who's staffing them and who's answering customers' questions through them, et cetera. That can be a big determining factor in customers gravitating towards your business. So over the next two years, I mean, we typically tell organizations, you know, really take a look at where you're offering payments, you know, understand those channels, understand, you know, potential weaknesses, you know, looking at mandates, PCI compliance. Um, if you're not where you want to be with PCI compliance, make that a focus. And again, there's varying levels um, and varying investments you can make to achieve certain levels of PCI compliance. Um, look at offering more self-service order entry and invoice payments. Um, there are various ways you can do that. There are a lot of different offerings um, that payment service providers like WorldPay can offer that can help you um, push that out to customers. That can reduce a lot of your internal manual work. Again, it all has to be secured, and there's ways that we um, we work to secure those. Um, offer alternative payment methods. Look at reducing paper check in favor of electronic check, um, ACH, payment cards, PayPal, Apple Pay, Google Pay, some of those alternative payment methods. Um, 
how to reduce interchange fees, there's always there's always a cost to a sale. So um, while you're shifting to electronic, there are, are certainly benefits of getting money faster than waiting for a paper check. There are fees associated with it. There are ways to effectively analyze and reduce those fees for different card types, um, as well as looking at sur surcharging and convenience fees as a way to um, recover some of those costs. So those are the, some of the things that I would say um, can, uh, businesses should be looking looking at over the next two years for payments. Yeah, so I think businesses have come a long way, especially if you look at, uh, you know, the types of communication tools that they've adopted, you know, over the last two years, you know, the, the, the cloud technology wave has really replaced legacy on-premise communications uh, platforms one by one. So, you know, you have small businesses and multinational organizations alike that are benefiting from um, more rapid innovation, you know, reduced IT overhead and better end user experiences, better customer experiences as well. Um, but with the rapid adoption of all of these platforms, you know, there is a catch, right? Most providers of cloud communication tools are focused either on the employee experience, so that's your business phone or video conferencing tool or, you know, team chat or customer experience, right? Within within the contact center, um, together with embedded communication and payment, uh, secure payment options. But here's the thing, right? Uh, employees and customers are increasingly communicating across boundaries, you know, across geographies, using multiple devices, you know, at any time of the day at any type uh, of communications channel. So hybrid work also is just formalizing that, that trend, you know, it, uh, and, and it's, 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 yeah, cementing, it's cementing all those, those trends. And this creates a real challenge because, you know, business users that may be connected by a unified phone or video messaging tool, um, while contact center agents, right, they spend, their working hours on, on a separate cloud platform for the inbound digital communications and outbound uh, digital communications and, and also different payment processing tools. So IT departments then end up maintaining multiple disparate solutions and, and really struggle to make information available across the organization. And that creates uh, data and organizational silos and when organizations engage with, um, with customers only through their lowest paid employees within the contact center, it's hard to really improve the customer experience as well as the, the employee experience. So my advice for businesses and, and, and organizations would be to adopt a communication platform, uh, platforms like the, the 8x8xCAS platform that brings together the customer and employee uh, experiences together with contact center uh, capabilities with voice and video and chat and, and secure payment uh, solutions all in one single cloud native platform. And these types of platforms really empower enterprises with modern and secure communication and payment experiences. And it, it really eliminates organizational silos. It's, it boosts employee productivity. It delights customers. And, and it uses, uh, you know, it, it unifies the data to, to reveal deeper insights for smarter decisions and a more agile business. So, so I think these, these sorts of um, uh, trends, you know, um, 
well, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll see within the next two years. I think I would say stay focused on the, the core business. Um, unfortunately, uh, payments are never likely to be in that uh, top five key things uh, that a, a merchant might want to do. So currently with pressures on staff and resources and just keeping the business alive, uh, then that's obviously where the focus needs to be. I do think payments can play a part. And I think there's options for lowering costs, uh, helping build loyalty and uh, creating a much stickier product uh, product uh, with, with uh, the consumer. Uh, so I think it's about scanning the horizon better, making sure you're backing the right horse in terms of what the new payment options are and finding the right time to fit that into the mainstream business. Don't just go with the hype. Uh, Deal with things in a very careful, intentional way would be what I would advise. Thank you to all of today's contributors and a special thank to you for listening. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the Secure Payments podcast channel. And for more information on data security, payments, and CX, head to our Knowledge Center at PCIPAL.com.